DJ, drop a beat. Not another podcast. Not another podcast. Not another podcast. What the hell is wrong with you people? Not another podcast. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. James. I am sick and tired of everyone telling me I'm confused. Bryce. We're reckless, arrogant, stupid dicks. Big Jim. Wubble up a dub dub. <laughs> That's my catchphrase, remember? Samantha. I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? Dan. I don't know who you are, but I have a very particular lack of skills. I will never be able to find you. Not another podcast. You say this is boring as watching flies fly. I'm sorry. Well, we haven't started the show hey, yet, so we're hey, Jim. Okay, right. hey, hey, Jim. You. Oh, <laughs> I just ran out. Thank you. Thank you. You know you I'm, want it. You know you do. Fucking with you. Don't lie. Don't lie. Look, I'm on borrowed time as it is, okay? <laughs> Camp Arawak. That's where I used to work. With the Camp Crystal Lake behind. Dude, you need to really work on brand recognition here. Dude, look. You know, I keep getting shuffled around. Counselors keep coming up missing. And like, you know, it's a pretty good market. Jim, Jim, they're not missing. They're all in your basement. Well, isn't that where they go? I don't like the accusatory tone in your <laughs> basement. <laughs> implies it's ownership. basement. Thank James, you. it's a hole in the earth. Okay, no one can own the earth. That's the Lord's <laughs> hole. Hey, Jim's rule is uh, full basement, happy campers. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to keep them bunks full. Toads, toads, Hey, Jim, did you manage to get on and and watch that uh, sleepaway camp panel I sent you? Uh, I saw it and I was thinking about doing it, but, you know, times are getting a little tight and tighter so i didn't see if it how much it costed i thought it was free when i sent it but mm. it's it's wizard shit so who knows yeah it's like uh you could zoom uh you could be a part of like the zoom uh video feed of the the panel but that was like i don't know four bucks something like that and i was like oh that hey. wouldn't have been bad for like an hour panel yeah you're right yeah but you know, I was just lazy. Unclench your butthole. I mean, your person. Make it happen. I've watched a lot of documentaries about, you know, the Sleepaway Camp franchise and slasher flicks of the 80s as a whole. Eli Roth's uh, uh, he, uh, horror series was amazing. If you guys haven't had a chance to see it yet, uh forget what the name of it is. It's like he goes deep into... Um, when slasher films first came out and how they were ticketed, they were uh, picketed and protested by uh, women's rights groups because they thought it was exploitation of women. And they're just like, there's a, the last person that's, that kills the, the hero of the movie is a woman. That's, that's empowerment. A lot of eggs had to be broken to make that omelet, but you know, you make work with what you got. Just well, about every Friday. In Harlot, so, you know, yeah, just about every Friday 13th, the, the hero, was a woman it's because yeah. they're compassionate except for that bitch tommy jarvis, <laughs> <laughs> you, tommy jarvis. Talk got your you fucking number now bro <laughs> where i'm at tommy <laughs> <laughs> come again yeah. you know i never understood 
Catch me outside the commissary. How about that? Fuck Tommy. I I I never understood in in part four the the what uh, little Tommy was going for by shaving his head. What 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 was the distraction he was trying to pull on on Jason? Trying to run his... away with white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have just been a sheet. <laughs> Clearly, well, James, yeah. uh, that that particular film was an indictment of communism. And you see Tommy Jarvis is shaving <laughs> democracy. Little sprigs are trying to stick around, right? Little, little, little plunkets, right? And that's what startles Jason is a is a boy devi- devoid of democracy attacking him with a machete. Some bitch. Like he's on his last like three weeks to live. And here I was just thinking Tommy was trying to get Jason to remember what it was like to be a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like if you saw another person coming at you with a sharp weapon, you'd be like, ah, I will defend you with defend myself with my my super Jason powers. But when like sickly Mick, when tiny Tim from a Christmas Carol is coming at you with a hatchet, that's going to put you back a step. That's going to I'm going to take a- his fucking crutch. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to beat him over the head with it. Son yeah. of a bitch. And that was the last they ever saw of Danny. He yeah. was found later, hung, with a crutch shoved up his ass. <laughs> whoop that ass. Well, I'll get a few good shots in before I die in a slasher film, I'll tell you that. The white guy always dies in these movies. <laughs> well, the asshole does for sure. So let me, let me ask you guys, what is your all-time favorite uh, kill scene from any slasher movie? And I know there's tons to choose from, but like, what's what's the one that always sticks out in your mind and, and makes you want to watch that particular movie again just to watch we, that scene? We know how I feel about Mr. Hodder and his portrayal mm. of a particular yep. Mr. Voorhees in uh, episode seven with the uh, sleeping bag to the tree. That's pretty much, it's, it's either one, two, or three on almost everybody's list. So we'll take that one off the table because it's pretty obvious. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's a little hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I got one. Fire on. It might be my all-time, but it's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, when he gets the kid to think that he's a marionette and he's using his uh, like, brains and tendons. That's uh, a that's fantastic good. one, yeah. Because that's it's good. like, it's it's brutal. First of all, it's gory, it's brutal. But then the element of like you see him in the hallway and you're like, oh well, someone's gonna see him and, and stop him and they're just like he may they make him like invisible or whatever and he just sort of like starts moving through solid objects. It was definitely yeah. one of my faves. Yeah, and honestly, for me, it's really hard because Freddie for me had my favorite kills. I mean, the aesthetic of what he was doing to you in a dream manifested itself in real world. I loved that concept growing up because I used to have some fucker of nightmares. And so that resonated with me pretty close. It was like, okay, don't fuck with me, dude. Um, Please. (laughs) But at the same time, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. I mean, I will tell you the one that kind of got under my skin when I was younger. Pun intended. (laughs) Totally intended. Under my skin. Because Uh. the kill was when Freddie took over uh, the boyfriend's motorcycle in Dream Child. 
and started running like pipes of his motorcycle. Oh yeah, he became part body. of his yeah, he became part of his motorcycle, whole yeah. face and everything of just for ripping him apart while he's bahaing down the freeway. And it was like, I don't think I need a motorcycle that bad. That's, like, that was like a live action turbo team prequel. Dude, seriously, man, it was fucking <laughs> rough. By the way, bonus points for Turbo Teen, buddy. I remember that tune. <laughs> Lost Forgotten Gem. Dumbest cartoon ever, and yet I watched it religiously. Was yeah. it if he got wet, he turned into a Trans Am? No, if he got too hot, he would turn into that that sports car, and if he got cold, he would turn back to a human. Okay, you know way too fucking much about Turbo Teen. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Seriously, she. I just I threw that out because it was a reference. I'm like, I remember it vaguely, but you're like <laughs> detail. All right, what was your guy's favorite cartoon growing up that not many people remember? Well, I don't think J- James, did you tell us your favorite? No, uh, I, I don't. I I can't good. really pick out a favorite, but I got two standouts. Give me a good slasher, and then give me your cartoon. Uh, so I'll give you I'll give you both my favorite slashers. Uh, first from uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Four. When the guy goes looking for his girlfriend uh, in the lake and finds her uh, dead in the raft and he swims back. And just before he gets to shore, he gets lifted out with a spear gun to the testicles mm-hmm. and he's lifted all the way out of the water. <laughs> that, uh, throw- that one scarred me a little bit. Can I throw out a quick, uh, Still uh, haven't gone skinny dipping. Honorary <laughs> Minch, because that, that reminded me of one that to this day, all time favorite uh from creep show 2 the raft oh yeah. the last kid yeah. the break for it and he's swimming and it's like there's so much tension and he's going for it and like the the weird and he makes it ooze. that's all it is it's just like this oil slick is coming after him it's and not even an oil slick it's like garbage like bags with oil <laughs> yeah well it's it's a it's a again it's an indictment of democracy it's another one. Right? <laughs> Wait, he gets to the political gym. Jeez. Fuck. He gets to the shore, you know, not unlike George Washington. Think about it, people. And uh, no, he gets to the shore and he, he, he climbs like, he goes like three feet on the dry land and he starts talking shit. <laughs> That's just being a sore winner. Yeah, he's like, I beat you. Ha, ha, ha. And it's just like, oh, really? <laughs> And it's like, well, I don't want to ruin it. If you haven't seen uh, yeah, it, alert. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the other one, and, and this one is every time this scene comes on, I I I just love it because it's to me it's it's partial karma, <laughs> but it's it's also just ingenious and it's in uh Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Nominated for the name of the show, though, by the way, partial karma. Partial karma. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Um the the uh the gay gym teacher in the shower in which one uh nightmare on elm street 2 yo that whole movie was very homoerotic and it's not just oh. uh, an opinion it's like been documented that that was kind of what they were going for and <laughs> i gotta say like can you think of any other um memorable homoerotic horror movie that really was just sort of like top gun well, I mean, <laughs> clearly. Boom, bro. Fucking on, and on Goose's birthday, no less. Yeah, yeah. You don't know fucking Goose's birthday. Someone <laughs> said love and feeling. <laughs> Everyone. All that. over the cockpit. 
<laughs> yeah, no, there was a lot of uh, uh, craziness uh, that. Well, what was what set Freddie apart? Obviously, was he got to play the unstoppable killing, you know, entity, but yeah. also have the dope ass Schwarzenegger one liner to throw out there right before he killed somebody. So therefore, like every kill became that much more memorable. Like, like welcome to prime time, bitch, and like the whole like head coming out and like molding into the plastic, and then just. Mm-hmm. Well, even in just just that scene alone, like there's not a kid alive in all of us had that one Ooh, teacher that we on just Street, not a kid alive. <laughs> None mean. Every one of us had that one teacher that we just wished would die. It made oh, our yeah. lives a living fucking hell. And in that scene, it was like living out the fantasy. Like, oh yeah, that fucking bitch teacher. And I because mean, I mean, like, he was he was so awful to his class. Like, yeah, yeah. you know. And yeah, then it was, was like coming. it turns out the rumors that they were talking about turned out to be true. <laughs> but that. then he gets, I mean, he gets like total fucking uh like I said, it's like it's it's karma. He gets karma for treating his students so bad. So do you think that was Freddie being kind of territorial? Like there's only one creepy like teacher. No, I think he just. No, I think it's. I think it was. I I really think it was Freddie getting that kid to live out his fantasy of doing something cruel to that teacher. Now Freddie took it too far. I think another aspect of this that we might be overlooking is the fact that a lot of these kids that he was targeting we're thinking a lot about that teacher now, not necessarily in a good way because obviously he was an asshole, but since he was thought about so often, Freddie might've gotten in his head that that person is somebody he needs to make an example out of and do it in front of somebody. So they get the hint that he's a thing and he's fucking your world up. I don't disagree with that, but I think he's bad. Wait, I think it was more Freddie showing the kid, like, if you join me, you will have the power to make people pay. Because oh, really, God. that that whole movie is Freddie trying to take over the kid's body. He's trying to regain a foothold into the mortal world, which he kind of does because at that party, he's able to show up. He's able to take a sort of corporeal form long enough to slash a few kids. But then when the kid, like, manages to wake up, he loses that power. Well, yeah. So and Danny just leaves. He's like, "Fuck!" He's, fuck he's done with it. He's just, you guys are idiots. I don't agree with a thing you say. Over it. I'm fucking done. But I think I think in Bullshit. in regards to that teacher, it is a moment where Freddie's like, "No, we can make people pay. No one's going to cross you because look what I can fucking do for you." True. And but I'm not going to lie. That type of power is very attractive. But then he also flips it, though, because when the kid kind of wakes up, he's wearing the glove. In well, essence, like, he knows he's the one who did it. He's the one who killed the teacher. Only the cool kids know how to rock that glove. I mean, it's a strange like a it's a, glove. Only select cool people can wear that shit and pull it off. I'm just saying, you know, around the time one glove was kind of a thing. So, you know, what are you going to do? Very true. <laughs> I always um, thought that was weird. 
That was one thing that always threw me off when I was younger. Why did Freddy only ever do one? Because the other one, you, want, you, you don't want to mark them when you're holding them down. But, one hand is for holding down, the other is for slashing. Yeah, but you could do both with either because holding someone requires a palm. Gutting them requires your fingers. Now, if you were right-hand dominant, I mean, I kind of get that, but at the same time, you want versatility. Why wouldn't you make two? How would you and gloves come two to a pack. How would you put the other glove on once you had one glove that had knives for fingers on? Bro, that's that's I all it comes it, down to. He couldn't get the other hard. one on. <laughs> Where was that fucking Mythbusters, right? <laughs> shake their monkey tree. See if they're still around. They ain't doing anything. Movie solved by Big Jim. And again, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, it didn't look like it was a tight fit on his hand or anything. He probably could have slipped that fucker on while just, and just, ha <laughs> ha. I'm just well, saying. I mean, again, I'm just in, saying. There's unrealized potential there. In Dream Warriors, you know, when he kills uh, the the, the drug chick, uh, yeah, the the hot chick with like the weird hair yeah. and everything else in the, the switchblades, he goes like with the syringe fingers. So, I mean, he's versatile. He can come up with whatever he wants. But again, I think that just from a functionality standpoint, he realized it would be easier because then you got them both on. Then how are you gonna take them off, right? Well, yeah, because if you shake them off, the you, you you risk damaging the blades, right? Or yourself, right? You're, yeah, you're all cut up. You're, Ow! Just get them off, right? Like just you're yes. all cut up. And if you've got them both on, and you yes. suddenly have to go to the bathroom really fast, mm. who needs to take a shit when you're a freaking nightmare demon? Well, that's a nightmare that you don't want, my friend. Yeah, that. but I'm pretty sure that that would be some terrifying shit watching some burnt-ass motherfucker try to work out how to get his pants off with two knivey hands on. And it's like, Why wasn't that ever a kill? Where, like, like someone is in their dream and they think they're safe. And like, I gotta take, like, the most wicked shit ever. And so they go into <laughs> no, the No, not even a shit. They wake up and have to take a wicked piss. Oh, God, I gotta rock a piss. Whatever. And they, they, go to reach, they go to reach for their yeah. unit and they cut it off trying to get it out of their pajamas. Because yeah, they're the wearing the gloves. Yeah. Just saying, that's some nightmare fuel right there. Yeah. Because I've had those dreams where I've rocked a piss in my sleep and woke up like, oh, God. And you cut your dick off? No. I'm terrified <laughs> I'm taking a piss in the bed because in my dream, I'm like, oh, it feels so good. <laughs> then I wake up and like, oh, shit. Do you guys remember the other film that really utilize the idea of kind of weaponizing uh, nightmares and astral projection. Uh, it's called Dreamscape. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Stephen bad King, dreams. What's that? I thought you were going to talk about bad dreams. No. Uh, well, that's another good one. No, yeah. but um, Dreamscape was, was it uh, Randy Quaid or Dennis, Dennis Quaid? Dennis Quaid. Yeah, it was Dennis Quaid. Yeah. And it was uh, like this government yeah, because back then, you know, uh, it was always the government. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this uh, program is designed to essentially weaponize astral projection and kill foreign heads of state in their dreams yeah. by assassins that are just asleep, you know, in the next room. And the guy that they got to play the villain, he was like 80s uh, a character actor royalty. Like he was, we need a sleazy, scummy guy. From the 80s, I know exactly the dude to hire. He was like, it was almost the dude from uh, uh, Warriors, where he's like the 
with the bottles yeah. of that guy. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah fucking yeah, yeah. T-Bird. I, I know his name. Hang on, I'm gonna have his name here in a second. I just know him as T-Bird. Oh yeah, T-Bird. David oh. Patrick Kelly. Yeah. And yeah, that dude the, was like in everything, and he always played a bad guy. Because he does it so well. I mean, for yeah. fuck's sake, he was in the whole nine yards with Adam Sandler. He was the fucking pyro who blew up freaking Chris Rock. It was awesome. Yo, I forgot. That was so unnecessary, right? Like, here's this silly, like, you know. It was a swing and a miss. He was trying to kill Adam Sandler. So, you yeah. know. They're like, well, we're just going to kill Chris Rock. For no reason. Well, yeah. And oh, wow. he was in John Wick. Totally forgot he was in John Wick. You know, yeah, the bad guy in Dreamscape ends up with like a nunchucks that have like ninja stars on the ends. It's cool. It's really I mean, the, okay. the whole end fight that's like takes place in the dream world is for for was it 80s, 70s, 80s, something like that? Uh Ooh. it was 80s. I want to say it was 86. Sounds about 84. Yeah. It was yeah. all right. Um, for its time, very well done visually because you felt like you were in like a weird kind of off dream that you were just kind of watching as a, as a, a floating third party. I had a weird fucking dream the other night uh, that I actually had to write down because it was just uber fucking surreal. It felt like something out of HP Lovecraft, really. Um, wife and I went down to Lincoln. It's making City. out with Cthulhu. <laughs> it That's was. Right. It kind of was really because it was just fucking super surreal. I'll have to tell you about it off camera because I don't want to lose the idea. But um, yeah, no, we uh, Josie and I had gone down to Lincoln City over this last weekend, and uh, Friday night went out to a nice steak dinner, had a couple of my dad's drinks, and we spread his ashes on friday night and weirdly enough friday night when i went to bed i had this super vivid clear weird fucking dream and so much so that i woke up super early and i was like fuck give me my ipod i need my notepad and i just typed that fucker out but yeah it was a trip i love it when i have vivid dreams because to me they make perfect sense like in all actuality it just makes absolute sense. But once I wrote it down, I looked at it, I was like, it still makes sense to me, but there's some polish needing to do here. <laughs> I remember, and again, I can't be the only one here that remembers one of their most vivid, horrifying oh, yeah. nightmares. Because I still have one that is perpetually lived on well past me being concerned or afraid of it. But there was one fucking nightmare I had that stuck with me for, well, until now. You feel and comfortable uh, telling us what that was? Cause I'm no, absolutely it. not. I don't have a problem with that one at all. So He's like, no, never going to tell it. Fuck you. <laughs> no, that is it. in the you vault. Never hear that story. <laughs> What's weird is this dream took place. I want to say in 2006. So I've been hanging on to this fucking memory for a long time. Um, but basically my dream took place. I was kind of out in the woods. It was nighttime and I was near a little cabin that had like Christmas decorations that were like nightmare before Christmas themed almost on one side of this house. And I was walking along the side of the house, just kind of enjoying the decorations. 
and they came out to the front of the house and all I could see was like moonlit snow and like a tree line off into the distance. And all I saw was animals, just copious amounts of them running as fast as they could in this far direction away from whatever was on the far side of the house. And I looked down and I saw a little rabbit just kind of hanging by my feet, panicking. So I picked it up. I just kind of said, what's going on, little guy? And I walked around the front of the house and I came to this big open clearing on the far side of the house. And it was like an open field, but there was a tree line going along the left side of the field that kind of squared off at the back end. And it was moonlit on snow. It was beautiful. And I had this little rabbit in my hand and all of a sudden I saw this fucking like nine, 10 foot Yeti just slowly walking across this field like maybe within 20 feet of me, but he was missing patches of fur all over and it was black skin underneath. And I froze. A sickly Yeti. It looked really sickly. And it was, I froze on the Cancer Yeti. I tried really hard to like think of something to do. And the rabbit jumped out of my arms and hauled ass. And so I made a step forward. Like I was trying to spook him. You know, kind of a, a really weak attempt at going, you know. Kind of bucking at him. Like, oh, kind of, yeah. You were chesting and up. All I did was I managed to make a step forward, and that caught his attention. And he turned and looked directly at me, and he just let out this giant roar with these fucking gnarly teeth, these really sunken in black eyes that had just a hint of red, and this roar that I'd never heard before in my life came out of him. And I, I freaked the fuck out. I woke up. I was dripping in sweat. I was fucking breathing heavy. And Josie, she kind of went into a panic. She was like, Jesus Christ, are you okay? You were fucking screaming. And it was like, I I never forget that fucking dream. And that's all there was to it. I never had another one like it or even since. But that dream, man, that fucker kicked me in the taters. And for days afterwards, it vexed me because I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about how I felt being confronted with this giant monster that I couldn't understand. Uh, and then trying to make an attempt and realizing I was way out of my fucking league. It was, it was a trip. It was one hell of an introspection. But that was my nightmare that I never forgot. I got one. Fire. Uh, kind of short. Um and I had a, a variety of this same basic theme, but the dream would essentially be me doing something, you know, basic or whatever, just sitting around uh, my house or, or, you know, playing video games or something. And I would start to cough and I, I wouldn't be able to stop. And I would end up reaching into my mouth and pulling out uh, like a big millipede that just was like, Deep, it felt like it was deep within my, I could feel every last like wriggling arm as I pulled it out. And uh, yeah, then I would wake up. So that is a trip, my friend. Haven't had to remember. Haven't had that one in a while. And when I did have it analyzed, because I mean, how could you not? I'd be like, what is this? Is there a demon in me? And uh, the person that I ended up talking to, in a manner of speaking, said, kind of, yeah. 
essentially how they interpreted it was there was something inside me that I didn't feel like I was able to say and that that giant wriggling fucking millipede or whatever it was was the uh was the secret that I needed to that I was carrying around I couldn't say it out loud hmm. so I uh, I visualized it as <laughs> just a terrifying parasite I actually okay. have uh two uh one of them uh the first one that I can still to this day vividly recall, I was about seven or eight when I had it. And I tell you, I like even thinking about it right now, I can, I can still feel the cold I felt. Um, so when I was, when I was about seven or eight, we used to get, uh, when my mom would w- go to work, my brother, sister, and I would, uh, go to the babysitters. Um, so, God damn, this dream was so vivid. Like, for the longest time, I could not tell you if it was a dream or real. Uh, but it was late at night, and my mom came to pick us up. And I went outside and waited to get into the car. And as I was outside, I looked up in the sky, and there was a, a like a ghost of a girl in the sky. And... I wasn't afraid, but I was like, I couldn't move. Okay. And, and, and that's really all I can, that's really all the dream was, was just looking at this ghostly little girl in the sky. Um, and again, everything about it was so real. I could feel the wind. I could smell the, the grass that had been mowed that day. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it was so vivid and so real. I could not for years tell you if it was dream or real i'm assuming even now it was a a dream um but the uh the second one i had and this one freaked me out because it was one that (laughs) it's one of those dreams as you're coming out of it and you're slowly realizing that you're dreaming and you're coming back to consciousness Mm -hmm. kind of things did either of you guys see the movie fire in the sky Yes. Okay. I had just seen that movie that night. Oh, you done fucked up right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with uh, with Danny on that one. So, um, I don't remember the dream per se, but I do remember the after effects of it. And I remember being so petrified, I could not move. I'm laying in bed, screaming at myself to move. And I yeah. cannot move. Oh, God, I hate that. So, and, and that one still sticks with me. I remember my mind telling me that there's aliens outside the window. I know I'm in my room. I know I'm laying on my bed, but there's something outside and I cannot move. Yeah. And it was, it was a battle. It was like a real mental battle to tell myself to get up and move. You're fine. It's just a dream. I had never had a dream that intense before or since. Gotcha. That sounds like sleep paralysis. I was just going to say that. Sorry. Go ahead, Danny. No, you're absolutely right. (laughs) It it really does sound like sleep paralysis. I mean, that, as far as I understand it, is kind of essentially the definition they're in, where people will either wake up and can't move, or they dream that they're in bed and cannot move. And that basically is a feeling of 
uber panic that goes through them. And whether it's a dream or real, I don't know because I don't know enough about sleep paralysis. I just know <laughs> it as a thing um, that people do suffer from. But yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. And honestly, it really does. Just like Jim said, sounds like sleep paralysis. It, it very likely could have been. I just, again, I remember feeling like, I remember feeling like I was being watched too. Like someone was watching. Yeah. And again, I, I, and even in the dream, as I was waking up, I knew where it came from. I knew it was like the stupid movie. You're fine. There's nothing going on, but it's, it's one of those things that it plays in your mind, you know, as it's happening, it's like, yeah, you know, all this stuff, but it could be this you could be wrong. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But oh, uh, I know. Yeah. And that's the cool part about dreams. I mean, I've I've always appreciated my nightmares more than any other thing, but I also really do appreciate my vivid dreams because typically when I have a vivid dream, it's about water. And usually it's about crystal clear water with incredible amounts of color in it. So <clears throat> for instance one of the dreams i had a long time ago that stuck with me i was like flying down into this canyon and on each side of the walls of the canyon were just this arizona orange stone you know it was nothing desolate shit but down in the very bottom of the canyon was this giant river and the giant river was crystal clear you could see every moving fish in it you could see every bit of coral. You could see every bit of grass, plant life, everything. And it was beautiful. And I remember what took me by surprise in this dream was further up the way, as I was flying over the top of this, I saw this giant winding black snake. And it was thin at first. And I was like, oh, man, I just hope I don't land on that fucking thing. And then right as I got right on top of it, it fanned out. And had like these spines that went out to the side of its body. Like it basically was folded over while it was swimming and then decided to unfurl itself with these spines sticking out to the side. And it took over the better part of the top surface of the water. And that's when hmm. I woke up. Sounds like a fear of sex dream to me. Uh, clearly. But um, <laughs> I'm a fear of not getting enough. Uh, <laughs> or, I, uh, I had a question. Uh, <laughs> in regards to because uh, i'm a big huge fan of paranormal uh activity research that sort of thing uh danny and i already discussed our love of music top five and various okay. other uh awesome uh channels on youtube and various other platforms but um i have questions based on what i've seen and that is well, why are all, A, why are all the EVPs, the electronic voice phenomenon that is recorded, um, why are all of those with, from some spirit, entity, energy, whatever you want to call it, uh, that clearly English was its first language? Like, to me, that that's, that screams that there's like even racism in the afterlife. Like, it's always, it's even like an accent, right? It's not even like, it's a me, a Mario, or whatever. It's always like, you know, I feel like you just triggered Danny. Danny? You did. You did. Because Nukes Top 5 even brought one of those to my attention. And I was actually very happy about it. Yeah. Um, 
one of the people who were ghost hunting in, I think it was Turkey. Um, the uh, the EVP they picked up was in the language, and he had to give a translation for it. Oh, um, it okay. also happened in Japan, I think. Japan or China? I can't remember. It was one of the two, but same thing. Where I don't believe they were talking Turkish in Japan. That's just no, so they were. The, and that was the thing. The word Come they on. picked up. If, screw you, bro. Watch. <laughs> Nukes top five sponsor our content. Um, yeah, please, <laughs> that guy. I don't know who he is, but keep doing what you do. Okay. But uh, yeah, so okay, that makes sense. Um, how about this though? How about this? Ponder this for a second. If a spirit or a demon or whatever possesses a person, and that person just so happens to have multiple personality disorder, does that mean a? all the personalities are then also possessed or B does that mean that one demon can take over one personality? And then like, say they've got six personalities with like five more empty slots for five other demons to kind of come along. How does that work out? If I was to offer my thoughts on that, please, the uh, Senator from uh, uh, go fuck yourself. Stan is uh, recognized. Thank you. Thank you. Go fuck your stand does appreciate the uh, Senator from asshole of nowheres. Um, like close enough. Uh, <laughs> so my thought on that is simply this. Um, think of a car driving down the road and you got five people sitting in that car, right? Mm-hmm. Now a demon comes in and boots the driver over into the bitch seat of the front seat. He's still driving the car. The personalities are all there, but now the car is going where the demon wants it to go. So technically speaking, he's not taking over one specific portion of said person as mm-hmm. more so the person is the vessel by which the person taking over the vehicle. But how about this? What happens if one of the other personalities happens to be a Catholic priest who knows how to perform exorcisms? Can then that person exorcise the demon from themselves? Only if they actually knew that, but the likelihood is is that personality was a manifestation of someone who wishes they did know it. There are cases where people have been able to speak languages they've never mm. studied and have knowledge but, of things that they really shouldn't unless that they were, you know, whatever, whatever. So I say, hold on, I will say this though. If a person has the ability to compartmentalize an entire personality completely devoid of knowledge from the others. I know that's not every case. Sometimes they are aware of what's going on. Like, you know, hey, Gary's got the shoebox or whatever. He gets to talk now. But um, in some situations, if they can compartmentalize a personality, I think that that demon would have a hard time because they would be able to, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to just have hold one person. He's going to have five people yelling at him in the car. So driving, it's going to be a lot more of a pain in the ass. If it was one driver, one car, it'd be a lot easier to navigate. But you've got five, four other people going like, what is he doing? Que esto? Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. That's like a weird well, let me ask this, thing. Jim. What if using Danny's car analogy mm-hmm. and, and the demon takes over, you know, driving of the car, what happens if one of the personalities is stronger than the demon? Can that personality then drive the demon out? That's a, that's what I'm saying. 
And if one, I has, mean, not even using know, the Catholic priest analogy, just a stronger, a sense stronger, of faith. yeah, or just a stronger control over the vessel, as it were. Mm -hmm. Well, at that rate, you'd never know that they were possessed to begin with, because the likelihood is, is the personality wouldn't have waited for the demon to manifest itself so much as go, bitch, you're in my playground, Fuck you. But another thought to consider on Jim's uh, quagmire of the Catholic priest who knows how to perform exorcism personalities, mm -hmm. there have been a lot of uh, priests and holy men throughout the uh, Catholic religion who have been reportedly possessed by demons. So it's not necessarily to say that I can give you names if you would like. I can give you I can give you vivid descriptions. In some cases, <laughs> I can probably dig up a picture or two if well, you I mean, were so there curious. Are, there are actually saints who have uh as far as I understand, there is one or two saints who have reportedly been possessed um at some point during their sainthood. And that's what actually helped them obtain sainthood was their devotion to keeping it under control as much Cast, as possible yeah. and their self-sacrifice uh, to the monster. Um, casting out of demons is, uh, or, or, or something along those lines, is one of the criteria for, for canonization, I do believe. Yeah. Last I think I you're checked. right. I think you're right. And again, it's one of those things where, again, sometimes it's not necessarily your faith that you believe so much as how strongly you believe in your faith to save you mm -hmm. that gives you the strength to pull through. Um, with multiple personality disorders, you might have somebody in living in your personality banks that does have an absolute devotion to believe strong enough to change the chemical balance enough to where I mean, from scientific point of view, demonic possession, again, they address this in almost every decent demonic possession movie where <laughs> multiple personality <laughs> disorder is a real thing. Starry Keanu Reeves. Clearly, bro. <laughs> Show me where the demon's at. I need uh, crucifixes. Lots of crucifixes. Uh, Crucify. I don't know what the plural is. Constantine was a fun popcorn movie, but not as good uh, as Bryce builds it up to be. I will, I will, yeah, I will agree. I, I had problem with it because I love the source material, and this was clearly a departure from that to an extent. But you know, I feel like you need to have a a, a swarmy blonde British guy talking shit and chain smoking cigarettes the whole time. And Keanu, Jim, did you ever watch the show? Uh, no. Because they did have a, a smarmy blonde British guy. As All constant. I know is Gavin Rossdale got to play a demon, so that's the main reason I watched it. Shut up, fuck you! Don't tell me how to fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's I. I just think that that's an interesting concept. That like, like I said, like like I like your car analogy, but going by that logic, would would it not be? logical to think then that those other voices would still have some kind of uh ability to to coexist while that position is taking place well then I mean, let me let me throw this out there then if we take multiple personality and just use a single personality could could then 
someone with a strong personality override dem- demonic possession on their own? In theory, no, because basically what's being subverted at that rate is the core personality. The only levity that Jim's theory comes up with is that since there's multiple personalities existing within one person, that they at some point would have the strength to overpower a demonic personality as where with a singular personality, you are basically being puppet mastered. Yeah. You're, you're the kid getting walked through the walls. And, know, and, and cool. I understand that in, in the general nice callback. Fuck yeah. We're yeah, a team. Right. God damn it. Hell yeah. In, in the general sense, <laughs> I, I, I understand that, but, but also couldn't it be that someone has such a strong will of their own I swear to God, if you make another goddamn Tommy Jarvis reference, I'm going to just cute <laughs> fucking... If the, the intestinal fortitude to shave your head... Well, I wasn't <laughs> going to, but now I feel like I have to. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, Tommy Jarvis is a bitch. I am legitimately curious if, if theoretically someone with a stronger will than, say, a demon could fend off demonic possession not even be aware of it you know what i, I would, mean i would be interested to see if say someone who had uh a strong gift with say um uh, telekinesis that's that's talking psychokinesis or a psycho whatever it is that's speaking through your your head or whatever oh that's uh, telekinesis, yeah. So, yeah and and it basically projecting your consciousness and that sort of thing if someone like that were to come in contact with so the, the, the whole reason why I bring that up is I found this really awesome podcast called um, what is it? Uh, Odd Tonic. And they talk about sleep paralysis and not just that, but also like certain areas have old wives tales about a specific entity, like the, uh, the, the woman in a hat and, or there's like, there's like a couple of different characters that they, uh, Abaddon that have, that have been recurring characters in that whole thing and so so yeah I would imagine it would be an interesting concept to like if one could uh, go into that realm that they could see you know if a, another person has some kind of manipulation going on uh-huh. in some way or you know what their interaction would be if something tried to get a hold of them well it, 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 you bring up an interesting point there too if someone with telekinesis maybe they they're fighting off demonic possession and and subconsciously using telekinesis to their closest friends the out of the car please sir <laughs> telekinesis officer you don't understand but you don't even understand I'm it's an interesting people right now yeah. it would be an interesting concept just from from a movie standpoint it'd be an interesting concept <laughs> Someone with latent telekinetic powers is suddenly. What's their sexuality a- have to do with this? <laughs> just latent, just just latent. in your face. I'm psychic and I don't care. <laughs> I'll just I'll just be over here. I'm gonna take this movie. I, no, I want I want this. Not this even gonna. Thing. I'm not even gonna share the millions of dollars I make from this movie with you guys because you just keep. <laughs> the movie is actually me. called "Fuck Jim and Danny," even though there's no what characters. In the no whole Jim movie, no Danny. No, there will be a Jim and Danny character, but they both get killed in the worst possible ways I can think of. Characters keep coming in that have nothing to do with one another, but their names are either Jim 
or Danny. And it's or, or some Dave, variation yeah, of James or Daniel. Is. Yeah. Something. Jim or Dan. And they're always just, oh, they got decapitated. This character by. knows a lot of Jims and Dan's. <laughs> so anybody uh, in this fucking town that's named this Jim or Dan. <laughs> so here's the thought, though. Now, understand where James is coming from, and I totally see what you're saying, but you have to remember from a quasi-pseudo-scientific side of this that if you were a strong enough personality to fend off a demon, you'd never have that problem. In theory, you could theorize that every single person is on the cusp of a demonic possession by sheer virtue of their character not be strong enough to maintain what makes a demon strong. But if you take it from a spiritual side of things, demons don't prey upon strong people. They prey upon weak people, whether it's mm. weak-willed or it's a weakness to something, some sense of vanity or pride or any type of basically deadly sin yeah. that makes you susceptible to what the kind demons, of what they're going to feed off of Sexual and then eventually gym. take you over. I thought you said basical. Basical. <laughs> I was gonna be like, step out of the car, please, too, sir. You're both just uh, testicular sin. No problem. It's Tuckies, it's Carl. <laughs> Officer Carl, or wherever the fuck you are. This is my Carl, okay? <laughs> okay. How about this then? How about this also uh to pose to the group, uh keeping in the vein of the, the, the supernatural, the paranormal. Um so, yeah, uh, you're, as Danny was saying, uh, they would usually prey upon uh, the weak. Uh, other situations could be that they are contained in an object of some sort, a painting, a toy, some kind of vessel that kind of contains their essence, in which case they can kind of to uh, start to toxify the environment around them and, and, and start causing mayhem and what have you. Create um, the weakness they need. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what do you guys think of the possibility or the probability, I should say, of of all the haunted houses out there, right? And there's got to be some situations where whatever the, the entity is that is possessing this location, like an apartment or something, the person, the human that is occupying it is so obnoxious and annoying that even the spirit is like, I thought I knew torture and torment in your <laughs> life. You can wait this one out until somebody else shows up. The ghost I, moves out. <laughs> I I keep killing her fucking oh, cats, and it doesn't matter. She just she just is. Oh, I, I put some sage out for you. The fucking I don't just move out, lady. That's all. I just want to be this move along, right? I'm just want to be this creepy entity that kids throw like rocks at the windows or whatever. Yeah. Let Please, me stop reading me your fucking poetry. I don't give a shit. Let me let me throw a, a theory at you guys and, and, and see what you think. Ethereal uh, wanderer, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry. So I had this I had this idea uh, for uh, a potential novel um, that would deal largely with the supernatural. And one of the ideas I came up with, uh, and I really like this idea, um, is that demonic position position step out of the car please sir last <laughs> no morning. you last have to catch morning. me <laughs> whose blood is this that's on you whose blood <laughs> is this? are my pants around my ankle it's either jim's or dan's i don't know <laughs> this is jim's. my pants this is jim's this is dan's i know because <laughs> i think well, there's i think there's some more jim down here 
I can and tell because definitely dance. Because this blood's a bitch, <laughs> and this this blood's dick. <laughs> dick. Yeah, I mean clearly. But uh, so so the idea I had that that uh, it, it demonic possession is actually a um, oh uh, like the end game. So like a, a, a family moves into a haunted house. Okay. The haunted house is essentially the gateway from where the demons are, are able to get through. There's a crack in, in our reality that allows them to slip in, but they mm-hmm. can't they can't move about outside of this domicile, this house. So you have haunted houses. But yeah. the longer uh, that a family stays within this house, the more susceptible they are for mm-hmm. possession. So like in the story idea I had, it's the youngest child that that is targeted for possession and it starts to become possessed before this group of paranormal investigators comes in and is able to get the demon out. Okay. So I, ju- I think it's an interesting idea that, um, let's just say, um, uh, I used to, Jim, you turned me on to the show uh, Haunted. Turned him on to it, did you? Uh, and they would they would give uh, dramatic uh, retellings of haunted houses. So they'd talk talk with the the people who owned a haunted house, and and you'd get okay. to see through dramatic uh, reenactments what they went through. So, um, for instance, uh, guy murders his wife and then kills himself in a house. Right. Hilarious. <laughs> oh sorry that was it's great. gonna be a okay. great comedy um coming this fall to fox so, so um both both spirits are locked into this house now because of this horrible horrible thing that happened and the 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 male ghost who who killed his wife and kids uh is the dominant i want everyone out of this house this is my house and mm-hmm. so he's the one that they really need to you know exercise out of this house new family moves in and that dominant ghost tries to scare them out but it doesn't work but he finds a way to possess the child or the or maybe even uh, almost like a shining moment where he starts possessing the the new father mm-hmm. and is able to get the father to act in ways that are completely outside of his personality essentially slowly possessing stepdad. the father supernatural stepdad is that something like that sure we can go with that sure. i'm looking yeah. at nathan fillion for this <laughs> <laughs> You're always looking at Nathan Fillion, and he's he's filed several restraining orders. And you know what? He's taking notice, and that's what's important. But is it? Do you guys think that that could be how possession works? I well, I have an idea. I have a theory about haunted houses that I can pose while okay, while that Please one do. gets uh, uh, considered. So. There have been situations and, and, and locations or hotspots, if you will, where it's been said that it's almost like a, a, a supercharged hotspot where there isn't just one 
entity. There's multiple, but they're mm-hmm. not related. They're not like a family that just all died in the house. One's been there for a while, and maybe that caused another situation. My theory is this. Um, the, uh, the whole, was it, I think it's the first theory of, of, of thermodynamics. The first law of thermodynamics is energy can, cannot be destroyed. It can only assume a different form. Mm-hmm. Right. So if a, a human spirit was to die under a, a situation of extreme trauma, that would essentially magnetize their uh, energy to that location. Minerals in the, the rock, uh, metals in the walls, uh, anything metallic that would hold that charge would keep that energy where it, you know, when it, where it's talking meat stopped working, you know, uh, wherever that might be. And so that's how one, you know, one house can have the spirit of an old man. And then uh, later on, there's like little kids. And then there's like a woman that's like, you know, it was a widower or whatever. And she's like, none of them are related, but they're all in this one location. Right. Theories, thoughts, mic drop. So mind blown. My thought process on it is very much in the same respects because it's hard because whenever I look at somewhere that's supposedly haunted, like when I was younger, I longed for a a haunted house near me that I could go spend the night in. I lived in one metal against the super unknown, you know, because no matter how many families Danny killed, he could never find his house. Spirits would never stay. It's so aggravating. Well, his thirst could not be sated. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. The problem is, is that a part of what I've come to understand, like modern day haunted houses, like the ones that you and I would find anywhere online or anything like that. There's a known history about the house and whether or not it's subconscious that it's conveyed to the present owners by accident or on purpose or whatever, you know, it's like, Oh man, you know, some murders happened in this house. And depending on what demographic you find these homes in also dictates the level of superstition that follows so like you go into places that are heavy catholic or you know really deep in these religious beliefs if you got somebody selling a house it's like okay this is a really nice house and we've been wanting to sell for a long time but it has a history well i don't want to hear about the history leave me alone that in and of itself plants a seed of distrust within the place so you buy it and you're like fuck it it's going to be great and then every explainable phenomenon that happens within the house is now supernatural and i get that i totally understand it i mean architecture is one thing in and of itself but structural stability is a completely different thing so houses make noises they settle they groan they make all kinds of weird shit they kill your cats and again from the scientific (laughs) point of view 90 percent of the stuff that people complain about is almost ex- completely explainable now oh yeah i oh, think yeah. about oh, yeah, yeah. nukes top five is i have seen some shit that would have to be set up if yeah. you were to explain it logically scientifically you would have had to have set that up if you didn't set it up then you're looking at some true paranormal shit I look at the I look at the videos that he posts from the mindset of they're all fake until they prove to me that exactly any little 
thing, like if a chair moves a certain way, if there's anything that obscures the line of the trajectory. If it's unidirectional, yeah. I feel like it's always bullshit. Yeah. If something moves in multiple directions, yeah. then I give it a bit more credit because then it's like, okay, it's still doable. But that required a bit more finesse to make that happen. Unidirectional, I mean, fuck, you can do the invisible line strings and have multiple people set up and it's not a big fucking deal. So I, I'm with you. I go into every Nukes Top 5 skeptical as hell trying to break down how it could be done logically. Because, again, yeah. one of my other big loves growing up was magic. I grew up in Same. love with the idea of David Copperfield. You know, Penn and Teller still are my top tier boys. Fuck yeah. But it's one of those things where I learned from them to never trust a magician. Yeah. Because that's the whole point. You're not supposed to trust them. If you trust them, they're going to baffle you with bullshit. And see, and that's that's why I can never buy into the the EVP thing. Uh, because I know, and, and Jim, you should know this too. We've worked in audio long enough. We know how easy it is to manipulate audio. Well, and how even more so being in a heavy populated city the likelihood that something's going to make a noise at some point that you're going to have to ramp up your volume so high to where you'll be able to hear a fucking car horn outside, but on the inside of the house sounds like, it's like, I can't buy EVP. And I would need some much harder evidence to support that claim because again, high populated areas are always going to have residual noise. Sound doesn't True. stop moving because you say something. Well, and it's so easy to have, you know, you've got your camera up, you know, so you're seeing an empty hall, but you're not seeing the guy holding the camera who could easily just whisper something. Yeah. just. It, oh, my God. A, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah exactly. dude, you made it. You made that noise. It's the same reason I don't buy video that shows like a, a ghost flutter by. Video manipulation is mm. you can make that stuff happen. That guy from Maine, that dude from Maine whose house has got nothing but shadow people, just it's like infested, bro. And yeah, like, seriously, he needs to call like fucking what is it, the Orkin man, but for spirit. yeah, and not even like not even at night, like in the middle of the day, like he'll yeah. be he'll go into a room and there'll be this like black Ooh. shape, yeah, and then he'll it'll just dis it'll like make a break for it and it'll just go someplace, and it's like. And him, I, 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 and I, yeah, well, I understand what, what you're saying with that whole, you know, the possibility of manipulation and everything else. I am of the same mentality or was because I'm like, it's going to have to take something that's personal that I know for 100% that either I do it or it's a situation that is just so there's no possibility that faking it would be a thing. And then I got that opportunity. Um I had a, a situation that with this, uh, these friends of mine, one was a comedian and one was uh, a woman who was sort of like a, like a booster of the Portland comics, but she, uh, she had some, some mental health issues, some severe mental health issues and had to be hospitalized a couple of times. But uh, during a stretch where she seemed like, you know, she was very manic uh, in that when she was doing great, she was an unstoppable force. Um, but when she hit a low, it was like bad. And because she had, she had, had uh, she had a lot, there was a lot there, but anyway, long story short was 
uh, she ended up tragically taking her life. And it happened after a fight between her and her husband at the time, uh, a friend of mine. And he just, it destroyed him. And uh, we were afraid for him for a while. And so I was staking out with him night after night. And we would just, I just stayed at his house and would sit around like a fire pit and like, you know, drink Jim Beam. And he would just bawl his eyes out and just, you know, try and get it out of him. And yeah. I just was, I was just wanting to be there for him. And he was also very big uh, previous to this into uh, paranormal uh, investigation and whatnot. And so he had ordered us all this like really fancy high-end equipment. And um, the one night I came over and he's just, there's something like, I'd, I'd seen him depressed enough uh, to know that this wasn't depressed and this wasn't, I'm better now. This was, there's something that's like, you got to check this out. So uh, I'm over at his house and it's a house that she had bought. She basically put the front up before and they were going to be living there together. Um, and down in the basement, they had the master bedroom and uh, it was pretty, she was very was finished, was beautiful. He's like, he was down there and he was recording uh, an EVP session just by himself. And he was trying to communicate with her. And he's like, this is really hard to listen to. But um, essentially, I was trying to, to tell her how much, uh, how sorry I was. And I listened back to it. And I heard something that I, I need you to listen to, to tell me that I'm not fucking crazy. And I listened to it. And there's, and it's, it's, it was fucking brutal to listen to because he is like sobbing his heart out about, you know, regretting everything that, that happened and everything. And so there's a part where he's quiet and there is a fucking voice that sounded too much like her, like to be anyone else. And it was essentially saying, uh, I guess it was like, it's okay. It was something very light and it wasn't like, you know, choppy or whatever. It was like a, a, a wisp of something. And it was, fuck, I'm got, I got goosebumps right now just talking about it. And for me at that point, I was like, you're not crazy. Um, that, that was insane. But again, later on, tragically, he ended up kind of following her lead. And so they, that they sucks. yeah, it was a real, um, horrible no, I am, I, but from that, I, I'm a believer that, that EDP in some situations, uh, very easily faked, but there are some that I believe are legit. No, that's yeah, fair. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I do want to believe that stuff, but Okay, Mulder. Okay. Knowing I want to believe. Knowing how easily you know audio and video can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. Like like both of you, like you gotta every everything is fake until you can prove it's real. True. You know. Essentially, yeah. 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 And that's just being analytical about it. In again, you know, I think people who grew up loving magicians in general are very apprehensive to trust what they see. Yeah. Just out of sheer principle, it's really hard to believe something is really happening when you've seen people fucking just roll you with what you see. I mean, you know, David Copperfield walking through the Great Wall of China. Well, circa like 1995, we had magic unmasked and the motherfucker showed exactly how he did the trick. And it's like, that's amazing. I'm really glad I saw that. But fuck, I was bamboozled. 
Well, He's not you know, actually the devil incarnate. Fuck. We but, are you just, know. <laughs> you know, we're simple animals. We want to believe that something supernatural, something paranormal, we, yeah, something we, outside of our normal. Dude, uh, we want to believe in magic. Exists. That's why religion persists. But at the same time, <laughs> ooh, deep burn. Uh, but the thing about it was, though, is, I'm not wrong. <laughs> you know, and I was, do you hear us correcting you? <laughs> the one thing I will say to paranormal in general, and what I've always loved is, you're right. Energy does maintain to some degree, but how much of it is required to leave an imprint of somebody's essence? It would stand. It would. It would connect the dots between how an object can become imbued with uh, a spiritual energy. It can explain how multiple entities can exist in the same area. Is but, that somehow that, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, I was just going to say, but at that same time, mm -hmm. one of the reasons why haunted houses are one of our favorite guises is because so much happens in a home. So much happens in a living space. You have your good times, your bad times. Everything that is your personality is unveiled in these private spaces. And to some degree, I think people cling to the idea that we're much more than what we are, but we're never more ourselves than we are at home. So your true essence is at its height when you're at home, when you're comfortable, when you don't have to think, you don't have to put on airs, you don't okay. have to put any kind of face forward. You are you in your comfort space. So what better place to showcase your essence than in your home? That well, and that, that goes, that leads to a point I was going to make, and, and it ties into what Jim says uh, with energy, you know, just changes form. Well, sure. when we shake off this mortal coil and become essentially energy, that energy will eventually dissipate. So it's possible for, However long it takes for that energy to dissipate, that a haunted house could exist because someone could have died and that energy just hasn't dissipated and gone changed. on to its next form. And it's trapped in that container. A very common occurrence that would happen in paranormal hotspots and investigations would be equipment would start to become faulty. Uh, batteries that were fully charged would suddenly die uh, as if they had not been charged at all. I that feel being like that said, I had that happen to my cell phone and nothing paranormal about it. It was just a shitty phone. Okay. Well, maybe you maybe, maybe your you phone, weren't in a haunted house. Maybe your phone was possessed by the spirit of your shitty credit. Maybe that's it. Maybe you know your good credit <laughs> is immaculate. Goes. Thank you. And this, yeah, it's my phone. And does it do that? Does it do it now? No, it doesn't because, you know, it actually does. It periodically will just randomly die on me. And then it's like a power back up and it's like, I still have three bars of battery. Okay. So I, I think, I think I can fix that. So take it to the nearest Catholic church mm -hmm. and throw have it in the fucking holy water and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Dunk it in a couple times. If it, know. if the water begins to bubble and smoke, you know, it was possessed. I don't care if it's possessed, so long as the fucking thing works. <laughs> it, it can have the spirit of Beelzebub in it. I don't care. Interrupt my calls. Just don't drop them. That's all I'm saying. Danny's talking to his wife, and the devil comes on. Fuck you, bitch. What did you say to me? Sorry, it was... 
Dude. Mephistopheles. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> Listen, I what know you. What did you say you... to me? I was just addressing a demon. Listen, I know you think you told me that I was supposed to pick up toilet paper at the store, but you were speaking in tongues and my Sanskrit's all rusty, so <laughs> I just got fiddle-faddle. So I hope that's... So I ended up just <laughs> open appeases... Hope it appeases Lortho, God of the Underworld. You know, fuck me. I just love the idea of Danny talking to his (laughs) wife. The devil comes on and curses her out, and she curses the devil out. Suddenly, his phone reception is crystal clear. (laughs) Wow, I can really hear your disdain for him. What would you guys, if you guys were haunting a location, what would you do to kind of Beetlejuice them out of your house? Not going to lie, I wouldn't. And for me, that's that's purely out of spite for myself because it's like schadenfreude show me something that i can actually believe in. he's hanging out in mom's room all day just waiting for her to get naked but here's the thing though it's like if i if i ever bought a house jim apparently (laughs) i moved into that house bitch you better come correct with some serious fucking paranormal activity before i move the fuck out of here because as far as I'm concerned, I own this bitch. No, no. He's saying if if you're the one doing the haunting. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. See, that's a different can of worms in and of itself. If I have complete registry over my essence and I can actually control something in my physical realm. First off, I'm haunting James. Um, <laughs> Probably because I killed him. Um <laughs> No, that would be Bryce, but I won't fuck with that because I'm pretty sure he has spirit bullets. Um, it's true. Just remember, whatever Bryce has, Bree has as well. And for some reason, she loves me. No, I'm going to be bringing like cups of fresh brewed coffee to Bree while I'm splashing the entire bucket of the shit on you in the middle of the night. Just letting you know, I- I'm going to serve it up correct. Bree See, gets all and and. And then you're really going to piss her off because you got the bed wet. No, no, no. It's going to stay. Dude, on just face it. She's it going to me. kill you even though you're dead. No, Brie likes me. Not if you're messing up her bed. I'm not going to mess up her bed. Don't mess up her bed. Fuck you up. <laughs> you just said you were going to dump coffee on me while I'm in bed. I, I share mean, a bed with Brie. Again, I'll kick you, you out fucked up, bed, man. You fucked up. She's going to murder your dead ass. <laughs> anyway... As far as Beetlejuicing people out of my house is concerned, I wouldn't. No. I would have so much fun just subtly picking at their sanity to where they didn't think anything paranormal was happening in their house. I would just love watching their descent into madness. Yeah, I'm with Danny. I would probably do the same. Like, just... You put on a big show. Now you're a spectacle. Now you're the place where every paranormal hunter goes and goes, what was that? To nothing happening. When I'm standing off to the side going, God damn it, I fucked up. No, I want to just pick at their sanity. Like, take something on the counter and just be like, oh, you said it there? Now it's here, bitch. I think our house is haunted. I laid a steak out on the counter and I woke up this morning and it was gone. Yeah, no, I threw it in the trash, you filthy bitch. And then you owe me a steak. Why did you leave it on the fucking counter? God, what oh, is yeah, no, I, I do all kinds of things to get the kids in trouble so they're constantly getting in trouble oh, with their folks. Yeah. Crayon just, on the wall. Just to scar gonna, them. <laughs> why you gotta be why you gotta make it harder for a kid? 
Dude, I'm dead. Fuck you. Because they're healthy. fucking entitled shits. You can, Fuck Jim. Jim. First of all, you're projecting into what kids are going to move into your house. Yes. First so off, you're assuming that they moved wrong. into my house. Hold the fuck on. The first time I draw on a wall, and if that kid doesn't get an ass whooping, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again and again and again until that kid gets a firm ass whooping. And then I'll be like, okay, you're doing it right. <laughs> And that's what he writes on the wall. You're doing it right. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to set the standard of excellence here. Just saying. So no, so no, like you know, bleeding walls or swinging chandeliers. More like uh, constantly, constestly hiding their car keys so they can't leave on time or turning you know, the thermostat switching. up. I, I yeah. do some of that. Leaving lights on, turning lights on in in every room just to yeah. drive the dad crazy. Again, switching the salt, money? switching the salt and the sugar uh, uh, all the time. <laughs> That's oh, I, I fuck with the, the dad too. Every time he's about to get it on with the wife, I'm gonna flick him in the tape. Again, like <laughs> you guys are using your powers for evil. You have a chance yes. to be, you know, you were ghosts. You it's know, my house. They moved in. It was your house. It was no. Your it's house. still my house. Um, I okay. paid the fucker off, and then I died. Yeah, still mine. It's called move on, brah. Not happening, bitch. Please, not when I can have fun with other people's expenses. Yeah. I do imagine though that if Danny was hunting a house, ripping the shower uh, curtain open for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, with an attractive mom. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. Every time I take my top off, the door sticks and I can't seem to get it open. I, I pull and I pull and I keep jiggling until the door finally, well, it gets kind of moist. And, and now we know how Jim oozes, will haunt. <laughs> the door kind of oozes open from the, I don't know. Oozes it's like a, open? It's to create, like, I keep jiggling until the door gets moist and the door opens. Got to lubricate it a little bit. You know. Ghost spunk. There's the name of the show. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna throw that on the table. Ghost spunk. There I'm it not is. Not again. It. I'm not again. It. I don't know. Like partial it. karma still. <laughs> partial I mean, karma and ghost spunk. Yeah. Put him. Put him in a. Put him in a cab and let him fuck it out. Partial ghost karma spunk. There we go. Because <laughs> why? Because fuck it. That's why. Why not? Because the episode James has a stroke. <laughs> But uh, again, well, it, it's honestly, I have sought haunted houses my entire life. Same. Because I always wanted the challenge and the proof. And the simple fact is, is if you don't allow yourself to work up your own hype about it, nothing special ever tends to happen. You know, I mean, like Josie and I, I, I tried talking about the idea of going to spend the night at the White Eagle, supposed to be the most haunted, you know, McMinniman's pub in Portland. I did it. It's a marketing ploy. And she's absolutely right. She because is. it is. And the simple fact is, I would go there and I would stay the night and fuck all would happen. And I would go away disappointed and like $200, you know, light in my pocket. But I would do it if it wasn't somewhere that had something to gain from it tell you for instance when i was working with my buddy uh mike at mcfarland's him and i got to talking about the same shit and we were excited we were like fuck yeah somebody else who wants to get in there and you know find a haunted house well we found one that had been abandoned 
And when he tried looking up the address, it took him to a couple of weird sites. And it was like, okay, cool. That's ominous, but we'll <laughs> roll with it. And one of Put the this address and it takes me to really two girls, one cup. It's weird. Totally. Uh, <laughs> but one of the people we worked with lived fairly close to it and checked it out for himself. Now, he said it was basically a squat spot for homeless folks. Yeah, that's the other thing. But there was there was some weird shit in the basement that he couldn't quite explain. He said once he ventured through there, because he did it in the middle of the day, so he wasn't really worried. He saw a lot of, you know, telltale signs of squatters. But he was scoping around the basement, and what he found in one of these rooms in the basement was this giant, what looked like a log, but it was of newspaper that had been rolled over this giant log human shaped log well it wasn't human shaped he said it was very tubed in the respects but it looked like there was you probably, could fit a human in a tube if it was made out of solid newspaper there was probably 20 years of newspaper rolled up into this fucking but why roll it up and that was what because made folding takes too long jim so mike and i we were like fuck yeah let's go check this place out dude i'm game let's fucking do it because we already knew how to get in thanks to the guy who lived close by Nobody gave you the key about it because it had been abandoned for fuck all forever. And we were like, hell yeah, dude, this fucking Saturday, we're going to do it. We're just going to fucking do it. Mike called me up on Friday before we were going to go scope the place out. He goes, they tore it down, busted that fucker to the dirt, dug it into the ground, and then overnight covered it up and had it gone. That's kind of a sketch. That's what I felt too. And I was like, overnight. Bullshit. I was like, bullshit. You got scared. It's okay. You can own it. You got scared. Yeah. I ventured by there and sure shit enough, the house had been destroyed in a single day and completely covered over. That's crazy. In a day. Which for me was like, yeah, but you know, I was can, close. You Fuck. can tear down a house and cover it, you know over in a day that's not a big deal but i think i think you're on to something though i think if you're gonna try and find a real haunted house it's not something famous it's an abandoned house out in the middle of nowhere i mean those i i honestly believe that if you're gonna find any real proof of any sort of supernatural thing it's got to be off the beaten path you know what any, I mean? anyone listening i agree uh, uh because Anything else? Aesthetic sound, aesthetic noises, uh, yep. the possibility of squatters, all of that's going to continue. You want to eliminate all us. of that. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, because I know we're over time, uh, I wanted to say, anyone listening, uh, if they wanted to check out a video that, to this day, I firmly believe <sighs> is some solid, you know, prove me wrong, fight me kind of uh, uh, proof. There's uh it's one of it's one of Nuke's top five like all time best videos that he's he's ever debuted. It's like what I like is when he he shows a video from somebody whose channel is all about nothing that has to do with the paranormal. And there's just something that weird happens. This guy was investigating caves and he's like he just wanted to show like you know the 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 structure and the history and everything else, more more like documentary uh style. And so he's in this one cave. And he's kind of like standing there and he's like panning down. He has his flashlight because it's getting kind of dark. And he pan, he shows his flashlight. And then like, I'd say a good 40 yards, 60 yards down this, this tunnel, there's like all these chains that are hanging up. 
but one of them is swinging like mad. And there's yep. no reason whatsoever why. Okay, so he gets a little tweaked out and he leaves. That's video one. Video two, he goes back. And I will not tell you what happens, but Jesus it Christ, it is chilling. And he gets the fuck out of Dodge. And like the sound in his voice is something. And there's just, tell me how you yeah. can fake something like that. He's just not that kind of cat. And he's by himself, clearly. Go Do ahead, us Danny. a favor. If you go to Nuke's Top 5, comment in the comments that not another podcast fucking sent you. I want to see if we can actually get this shit to him. <laughs> I would die. I would die a happy man if if somewhere out there, no matter wherever the fuck he is, if he's in a satellite circling the planet, I would love just a moment for Nuke's Top 5 creator to be like, who the fuck is not another podcast? No, that would be great. That would be that, awesome. That, that, Jim, why don't you reach out to the guy and see if he'll come on? I have. Well, no. Uh, I will though. I will. I will. I will see. Yeah, reach out to him. See if he'll come on. I'd oh, love right. to talk yeah. to him and, and find out like what his favorite videos are and you know uh, how he comes by them and what he thinks of all this. Well, you fuck. People I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> his video uh, compilations are so good that this is how like devouring itself YouTube has become. There are now reaction videos to people watching fucking <laughs> Nuke's top five videos in front of the mirror into infinity, and that's how humanity died. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, really quick, uh, right before we leave, uh, we were talking just before that about uh, finding a true haunted house, and and I would say that it's a true haunted house if weird stuff happens in the day, not just night. True. True. Because ghosts aren't on clocks. True. You know, they don't give a shit about your fucking 12 hour clock. So if you can go into a house work in the day and see shadows or hear EVP or whatever, it's not just night. You're in a true haunted house. Agreed. So with that, we're going to say um, stay out of abandoned houses. No. <laughs> Be, beware of sickly yetis. Beware of sickly yetis. Uh, never oh. travel alone. No, never because, trust anyone. Yeah, never. Uh, especially magicians. And uh, honestly, uh, keep your crucifix close and your holy water closer. Whatever. <laughs> Sleep in a circle of salt, <laughs> uh, and know that no matter what happens, when this this talking meat is no longer viable, that you know, hopefully, you can always this, haunt James. Yeah. Find something, someplace awesome to haunt that's going to be around for a while, right? You don't want to haunt someplace that's that's going to disappear in a week. Find something like that's got staying power, like a Hooters. Yeah, seriously. Or a Costco. <laughs> don't go to places like Hot Now because clearly they don't live very long. You know how hard it would be to try and get any attention at a fucking Costco or a Circle K? Find yourself a good Starbucks. Yeah, serious, dude. Every <laughs> ghost jacked up, yeah. For the afterlife. <laughs> this Starbucks is really haunted. The ghost is so caffeinated. Well, I don't know if it's haunted or not, but I walked in here like literally dead, and I drank this, and now I'm alive. So that's the proof of an afterlife. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is. That's resurrection, Jim. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you, you got the get coffee to the undead. So they get a 
Can I get a grande uh, necromancer with um, <laughs> whip, whip on top? We only serve those on Bro, Friday, sir. No more liquor. There it's you go. Part of, part of the secret menu that they have there. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm going to go to Starbucks now and get one. Good. <laughs> we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Put the lights on, bitches. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Not Another Podcast. There are so many places for you to find us outside of www.notanotherpodcast.com. For instance, you can find us on Facebook at Not Another Podcast. You can also find us on Tumblr at www.notanotherpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also find me, Samantha Stark, on Twitter at Samantha Stark 3 And you can find James on Twitter as well under James Spooky, spelled with an I-E, not a Y. And you wanted it, you asked for it, you got it. You can also find us now on iTunes under, you guessed it, Not Another Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, Not Another Podcasters.